Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Sean Kane, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. In 2016, we will pray the Gospel of Luke at Mass beginning after Lent in what the Church refers to as ordinary time. So what's different about Luke's account of the life of Jesus, and what can we learn from him about ourselves and our faith lives in 2016? Here to help us prepare for the year of Luke is Joe McHugh, a spiritual director, retreat leader, and teacher based in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Joe, thanks for being with us today. Hey, it's my pleasure, Sean. I appreciate the invitation. So before we dive into Luke, you've written a book called Startled by God, Wisdom from Expected Places. Tell us about your book and what made you write it. Actually, it was it's wisdom from unexpected places. Yeah, um, even even better. Yeah. So, well, and that's that's kind of what the really is the the nub of what the book's all about. It was interesting because it started. Um, I got the idea basically working, trying to manage my own spiritual growth and then, um, working with others in that process. And I, just, let me just give an example. Lots of times when I teach um, spiritual direction or prayer, I'll have people do this this simple exercise, and that is to draw the most beautiful tree they've ever seen. And what's interesting about it is 99.9% of everybody who does that draws really beautiful trees, but they only draw half of the tree. They only draw what we see above ground. And what we begin to spend some time on is, you know, there's another structure to the tree that's 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 deeper and wider and more expansive that's underground. And in some ways, that's what I was doing with the book. Uh, what happens if our eyes kind of get healed and we start paying attention to kind of the depth and width and expansiveness and the the spacefulness, if I can say something like that, of our experience with God, if, if we take our time and try to peer beneath beneath the surface, uh, beneath the superficial. And so what I really came up with were basically 30 stories, <clears throat> excuse me, from very ordinary experiences uh, in which God sort of shows up in unexpected places. I mean, usually, for me, it's usually those places where I posted no trespassing signs, and God sort of elbowed God's way into that. So that's basically what the story is, what the, what the book about. So that's stories of, of discovery. Is uh, the Gospel of Luke a place of discovery for us? Oh, sure. Um, in fact, what was interesting, uh, what's interesting about this is the it's either grace or it's coincidence or it's somewhat serendipitous that the gospel of Luke is showing up for us, as you said, in this in this uh, this upcoming liturgical year. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, because in some ways it is the gospel. If if Pope Francis were writing a gospel, my guess is he would write the gospel of Luke, and. 
and that's maybe the best way to kind of look at the discovery because what we see in Luke um, is a Jesus full of mercy, and so it's it's somewhat uh, interesting that we're reading Luke during the year of mercy, because in Jesus what we discover is, uh, or excuse me, in Luke what we discover more than any other gospel, we see a Jesus at prayer, and we see a Jesus of, of tender mercy, very, very deep compassion. Uh, it's the gospel of the Good Samaritan, gospel of the two sons. And the discovery in us, I think, is, is for us to be reminded during this year of um, the incredible mercy of God and the compassion that Jesus shows and after we've been shown that, our our desire to share that with others. So I think we discover those. We discover Luke is a place for us to discover the prayerful part of ourselves, the merciful part of ourselves, the compassionate side of ourselves. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great it's a great story. <laughs> and and again, my emphasis on <clears throat> excuse me is on stories. Uh, because I think that's how we learn how to change is in imaginative stories. And certainly the merciful side of Jesus is uh, such an appropriate time for us in this year of mercy um, to discover that. I wonder, is, as you talk about um, uh, Luke's gospel and what makes it so special, is that that merciful, compassionate side of Jesus, does that stand out for you as the um, the biggest difference between that and the other gospel writers? Well, sure. Um, I mean, each of the, I think one of the things we have to keep in mind, obviously, is that each of the gospels sort of developed in a community. Um, and what's interesting in Luke is that Luke was basically writing for, uh, for, for Greek speakers. And so the picture of Jesus we see that, that, that Luke, um, describes or, or shows us in Jesus, is Jesus, if I can say this, as the, the kind of spirit-filled prophet um, who's very prayerful. And the invitation of Luke's Gospel is to be a companion of Jesus on the road to Jerusalem um, and, and someone who is, um, is, is a companion not only of Jesus, but a companion of who carries the compassion and the prayerfulness and the mercy with them, because it's very much a story of, um, you know, the, the acts of the apostles are also really a continuation of Luke's of Luke's gospel. So what we see is we see Jesus on the road in Luke to Jerusalem, and then we see the Spirit-filled church on the road from. Uh, Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, which at that point uh, met Rome, and so we see not only not only is it, are we are we a companion to Jesus um, to make us holy, but we're also called then to share that compassion and that holiness and that 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 tenderness with others in discipleship. You uh, recently wrote an article for St. Anthony Messenger in which you tell the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who only appears in Luke's Gospel. What can we learn yeah. from Zacchaeus? 
Well, it's interesting. I mean, the, the story I wrote about Zacchaeus in at the beginning of the article is is a legend. It's not the story of Zacchaeus that shows he he shows up in Luke's gospel. But the the story I quoted to start with was it was this this legendary story about Zacchaeus that kind of at the end of his life, um, people would find him. He would disappear at night, and they had no idea where he went. So they decided to follow him, and what they discovered was they would follow. They followed him, and they found him. Zacchaeus was the was the little guy who was I called him height challenged, who was in the tree so he could so he could see Jesus, and then Jesus invited him down uh, and spent time with him in his home that night. And the legendary story, not the gospel story, Zacchaeus would go out at night and hug the tree where he first met Jesus. Um, and I use that just sort of as an example of, in some ways, as that's kind of what prayer is for us, you know? It's, we're hugging the trees, we're hugging the, the, the places where Jesus has, has come to us, and we hold them dear. And, uh, you know, that's, that's I, I just want to use that as kind of an image of what, of what prayer was about, uh, and it's not only hugging trees, but it's allowing ourselves. In, in some ways, that was the place where Zacchaeus was, was, if I can use this expression, hugged by Jesus, where God, that compassion and love and tenderness of God touched him and changed his heart. And I think we remember those places. But it's a good place for us to begin to pray. Uh, from that place. And we'll continue our conversation with Joe McHugh on the Gospel of Luke in a few moments. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. On Saturday, June 24th at 10 a.m., Deacon Kevin Ewing will be ordained to the priesthood for the Archdiocese of Baltimore at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Homeland. The 29-year-old grew up at St. John the Evangelist Parish in Hydes, where he was mentored by Father Willie Franken, then the pastor, and Bishop William C. Newman, who went to live at the parish in 2001 when he retired from active ministry as Auxiliary Bishop of Baltimore. Deacon Ewing told the Catholic Review, quote, Bishop Newman and Father Franken kind of opened the door for me to think about the priesthood, end quote. When Deacon Ewing is ordained, the soon-to-be priest will receive the chalice that was used by Bishop Newman, who died May 20th, to celebrate Mass. Deacon Ewing is a graduate of Calvert Hall College High School and the University of Maryland in College Park. He earned a baccalaureate in sacred theology from St. Mary's Seminary and University in Roland Park and is midway through a two-year course of study toward a licentiate in sacred theology at the Pontifical North American College in Rome. Deacon Ewing will be vested by Monsignor Richard Cramblett, the current pastor of St. John the Evangelist. Read more at catholicreview.org. In other news, the Fortnight for Freedom, an annual week-long observance that highlights the importance of religious freedom, begins June 21st, the vigil of the feasts of St. John Fisher and St. Thomas More, and ends July 4th, Independence Day. This year's theme is Freedom for Mission, and Baltimore Archbishop William E. Laurie will celebrate an opening Mass on Thursday, June 21st at 7 p.m. at the Baltimore Basilica. 
From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. We're here with Joe McHugh, spiritual director, retreat leader, and teacher from Minneapolis-St. Paul to talk today about the Gospel of Luke. What do we learn from the first of Luke's stories that we're going to hear this year? He he kind of gives us a preview of what's to come, right? He does. Um, it's well, it's interesting that the 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 story, the first story that we hear at the beginning of ordinary time, and and I, and I like that expression, ordinary time, because I think most of the times when we experience God is in those ordinary times or ordinary places. Maybe those, as I said at the beginning, maybe those unexpected places. Um, but, the, the, but the first story we see is where Jesus goes into his hometown, he goes into the synagogue. And uh, what we see, you know, it's, it's, it's the first example of Jesus as the prophet, as the one who's, I don't want to say the troublemaker, but the one who is, whose role is to shake people up a bit and get them to see things they hadn't seen before. And it's kind of the reaction that most of us have to anybody, at least my reaction. I know nobody's like me. When people sort of step into my life or even step into my, my religious life or whatever and try to shake it up or do shake it up, our reaction is, how dare you do that? <laughs> how dare you show up like that? And in some ways, that's the first story we're looked at, is Jesus walks in and and reads from the Torah, and, or from the prophet, rather, from Isaiah, and says, this this is being fulfilled in your, in your presence. And it's kind of like, who are you to come here? Aren't, we know you. You're just the you're the carpenter's son. He gives, what gives you the right uh, to speak authoritatively to us about the ways of God and the way in which we ought to live? And in some ways, that's that's almost the theme of of Luke's gospel that we see all the time. Jesus as a prophet, always challenging people. Um, if I can put it, put it this way, always challenging people that uh, who are. If I use this example, the people that Jesus is preaching to in Luke, more specifically, are people who are real law-abiding, structural, doctrinally correct people, if I can put it that way. Mm -hmm. And I think the message that Jesus is 
is saying is your structure and law and doctrine always has to be touched and converted uh, by the man demands of justice and mercy and compassion. Uh, and that's the conversion. And, I, and, and the problem with that, too, is mercy is really messy. You know, it's, it's not clean and it's not clear. And I think that's in some ways, maybe if I can put it that way, that, that what we're invited into the, uh, is kind of the messiness, but yet the holiness of being merciful and compassionate. It's, uh, it's very human, but it's not always precise and, if I can say, law-abiding. Mm-hmm. Well, and that that takes me to my next question. You you would yeah. you'd, you know written a, about Jesus as a lawbreaker versus Matthew's yeah. version of Jesus, which is yeah. a, a lawgiver. This notion of shaking yeah. things up is that where you were going? Yeah, and, and I mean, what we see again. Well, what I go back to the thing we talked about earlier, Sean. You know that that the Gospels grew up in communities, and in some ways, what we see in the Gospel of Mark is the Gospel of Mark is in some ways, the community of Peter, and it's kind of waiting for the apocalypse to come. And mm-hmm. John is the mystical community. And what we see in Matthew is Matthew is written for for Hebrew speakers. It's written for Jews, for a Jewish audience. And Jesus is cast as the as the lawgiver, the new Moses. And in Luke, it's written for non non Jews, and it's written for Greek speakers. And so what we see there is we see Jesus take on, as I said, the, 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 the role of the prophet. And, and again, what I'm talking about lawbreaker is what I, what I mentioned earlier, and that is um, that in Luke we're always seeing Jesus shaking things up by urging people to remember that it's the spirit of the law it's the spirit of, of compassion, of mercy, of love, of justice. Um, that it, it's in light of that grace that, that everything else needs to be evaluated and revised, to be, to be radicalized and relativized in light of that merciful uh, mercy that comes to us from God. And I think the other thing to keep in mind, at least for me, I have to keep going back and say, when we read the, when we read this gospel, it's it's not as if um, there's one way to read it where where we can say Jesus is saying you must be merciful. All right, okay, fine. I think it's so. Then it becomes a job for us to do. Uh, I think there's another way for us to look at it and say what we see in Jesus and in, in the Jesus we see in Luke is the Jesus who is revealing to us a God who is mercy, who is compassion, who is love, who compa- who is a companion with us on the road. Um, and that's then then rather than than feeling as though we must give this we must be merciful. We're compelled. It's love that wants us to wants us to to do the same thing with others. It's 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 a that's kind of a 
the, the mystical experience, the prayerful experience, I think, of these stories of Luke. You um, offer us a way, a process, if you will, to kind of delve into and, and to really um, be focused on how we pray the Gospel of Luke this year. And can you talk yeah. about this, This this uh, you, you use the acronym PEER to yeah. describe that? Yeah, it, 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 it's fair. I was trying to think of uh, a way to make to make things a little more clear. Let, let me start with this. One of the things I think that, that one of the premises or assumptions I would make is um, I think lots of times when we talk about uh, prayer, we immediately think that prayer means thinking. All right? And there is some thinking that's part of prayer, but that's only part of it. And so what, I, what I'm trying to get to was to say, uh, I'm going to go to, go to the stories work very differently. And so the way I'm suggesting that we pray the Gospel of Luke is allowing it to be a story uh, rather than just a collection of, of doctrinal statements or things that we we must believe. That's not quite how stories work. There's a there's a great poem that the, the American poet Billy Collins wrote a great poem about poetry, about stories. And he said our what we try to do is we we grab a story or a poem and we beat it with a hose until we until we make it cough up its secrets rather than letting it come inside of us and touch not just our brains but our heart and our imagination. And so what I, what, I, what I suggest to people is that we find a way to come into the presence of God. And for many of us, it just means learning to tolerate silence and quiet for a while so that we can begin to sink into those depths, the roots uh, of the tree, that, that depth in ourselves and the depth in God and the depth in these stories. And then the second part of things is, so that's present. There's examination. I think we do need to understand what we're what we're reading, and so I, I suggest you know we re, we really want to do that. We want to understand what the gospel. What what do the words say? It's like reading any story. It's it's you know what does the story say? And then the next part, I think, is engagement, allowing that allowing that story to touch not just our our but to touch our heart and our imaginations. And so, for instance, you know, as we read through the story and continually to read through the story in the course of the week, um, where, where, our, where do we go? What phrases do we notice? What words of Jesus, what gestures of Jesus particularly speak to us? And pay attention to that. Um, and then this, the, the last part is response. What, what could it what, what could this mean for us in terms of the way in which we, the way in which we, um, we live, and and the way in which we have our faith? And so, in some ways, you could put it this way. Part of part of what I'm sort of getting at is we come to the point of, um, as we look at the gospel, what is it saying to us? Um, so, what is the first part? Um, so, what? What does this mean for us? How does it, where does it grab us? Not just our brains, but our, our imagination, our heart, 
our feelings, our affect. And the last part might be, now what? What is this? What what does love invite us to be? How does the story invite us to be more faithful, to be more hopeful, to be more loving? And that I think that I think is really the heart of of prayer. Because there's there's one part of prayer, the spiritual life, where you know, or the, where we go inward. And we discover that depth. I think the other part, and sometimes there's a tendency to get lost in there, stuck in there. And the call for Christians is always to come back out, to come back out uh, more faithful, more hopeful, more loving. And we're doing the deeds of service and justice and love. Um, so that's kind of where I was, where I was kind of going with that. Joe McHugh, you've given us some great insights and a great, uh, some great tips for praying the Gospel of Luke in 2016. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.